0: Well, once more, we're going to postpone our continued study of Ecclesiastes, and and we're going to look this morning at Luke 9, 21, and following. Luke 9, 21, and following. Since this is the last Sunday of the year, I thought this would be a good encouragement to us all to to step back and reevaluate our discipleship with the Lord, or whether we are disciples or not, and think about this classic passage on discipleship. Jesus, in this passage, we're jumping into the middle of a conversation he's having with his disciples, and they have uh, identified him as the Messiah, and he says, verse 21, He strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, And be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Well, 2020 will soon be in our rearview mirror, and that's a happy thought for us. As we consider all that's gone on this year, we wonder will 2021 be any better? No one knows the answer to that question except God Himself. However, a new year is always a great time to reevaluate your life and refocus on your goals. Many will be making new year's resolutions, hoping to see changes in their lives. And for the Christian, it's always good, every day is good to. Reevaluate yourself and your faith. Paul told the Corinthians this very thing, saying, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Well, I've been reading a, a good book, uh, Francis Schaeffer's True Spirituality. And in the introduction to the book, he, he writes of a bit of a, a crisis he had in his own life and a time of reevaluation that he went through. And I thought it would be an encouragement to us this morning. He writes in the introduction of the book In 1951 and 1952, I faced a spiritual crisis in my own life. I had become a Christian from agnosticism many years before. After that, I had become a pastor for ten years in the United States, and then for several years, my wife Edith and I had been working in Europe. During this time, I felt a strong burden to stand for the historical Christian position and and for the purity of the visible church. Gradually, however, a problem came to me, the problem of reality. This had two parts. First, it seemed to me that among many of those who held the orthodox position... One saw little reality in the things that the Bible so clearly says should be the result of Christianity. Second, it gradually grew on me that my own reality was less than it had been in the early days after I had become a Christian. I realized that in honesty I had to go back and rethink my whole position. Perhaps you can identify with where Schaefer was coming from going through a crisis of faith. So he decided to go back and reevaluate his position as a Christian. Why was he a Christian? Had he made the correct decision in becoming a Christian? And of course you know that uh, he did come to that conclusion that he had made the right decision and he went on to write more books and become a a great uh, man of faith. He goes on to say what he discovered. Gradually I saw that the problem was with all the teaching I had received after I was a Christian. I had heard little about what the Bible says about the meaning of the finished work of Christ for our present lives. Gradually, the sun came out, and the song came. In, and The song came. Interestingly enough, although I had written no poetry for many years, in that time of joy and song, I found poetry beginning to flow again—poetry of certainty and affirmation of life, thanksgiving and praise. Admittedly, as poetry, it is very poor, but it expressed a song in my heart which was wonderful to me. I think after going through 2020, a lot of us would like to rediscover the song in our hearts as Schaefer discovered. The true Christian life, true spirituality in the present life means more than being justified and knowing that I'm going to heaven. It's not just about a list of do's and don'ts, and it isn't simply your outward behavior. Rather, it's an inward reality that manifests itself outwardly. As Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Schaeffer says we are to love God. We are to be alive to Him. We are to be in communion with Him in this present moment of history. And we are to love men to be alive to men as men, and to be in communication on a true personal level with men in this present moment of history. He's covering the two great commandments, love God and love others there. Now how do we get to that place with a song in our hearts and a love for God and a communion with Him and, and a love for others, of a, of a daily communion, of a moment-by-moment fellowship with the Lord, of walking with Him, Well, the passage before us is Jesus' classic call to discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And in it, he speaks of two deaths. And we need to get our head around both of these deaths in order to have the song return to our hearts. He first speaks of his own death and then the daily death to self of the one who would follow Jesus. And I want to look at both of those in turn. The first thing we need to look at, of course, is Jesus' death, such an important, important thing for us that we need to remember the significance of it every day of our lives. Some people like to say you need to preach the gospel to yourself every day, and, and that's what I want to encourage you to do, and, and let me do this now, because Jesus started there when he was speaking to the disciples, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Jesus' death is unique. It is is a unique death in the history of the world. There is no other death that has ever happened on this planet, in the universe, that is like Jesus' death because it was a substitutionary death. It was a death for others. We should also point out that Jesus is God, and and he was perfect, and that makes it a unique death. And he came to die. We've been talking about it during the Christmas season, that this baby that was born was born to die. He had a mission to come and be the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of sin for sin, who takes away the sins of the world. Now, you think about Jesus being perfect and in his life, he never sinned in thought, word, deed, or attitude of his heart. He was absolutely sinless. He wasn't born with a sin nature like us. And for that reason, that makes his death unique because death had no claim on him. In fact, you recall that when Jesus died on the cross, we might think, well, the Romans killed him through the crucifixion and, and all the horrors that were done to his physical body. But that's not necessarily the case. Jesus died on the cross, and you remember how he died. He, he yielded up his spirit. He yielded up his spirit. And he said in, in uh, John 10, For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, Matthew tells us. He yielded up his spirit. Pilate said to him when he was interviewing Jesus before the crucifixion, You will not speak to me, Pilate said. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above so see jesus is in control of the situation and this is why he came i've come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me even as the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so jesus went to the cross and he died for us he died he laid down his life For us for sinners such as we are they didn't take his life from him he laid it down of his own accord he was rich he was god the second person of the trinity yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich so jesus came on that mission that mission to do exactly what he said to be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and to be killed and on the third day be raised. Because why did he rise from the grave? Because, again, death had no claim on him. The reason that we die is because that we have a sin nature and we're subject to decay because of the curse that was placed on the earth. Sin brought death into the world. Adam and Eve were told, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And that was handed down to all of us. We die. But Jesus, being sinless, death had no claim on him. And so he rose from the dead. Death could not keep him. Jesus, as the writer of, uh, as John says in Revelation, Jesus has the keys to death and Hades. He has the keys. And when you have the keys, you have control over it. You have the, the power to open the door or close the door. You're the one that lets people in and out of that. Jesus has the keys to death and Hades. So his death was unique, and his death was for us. He laid down his life for sinners such as we are. J.C. Ryle says this, Why then did he not resist his enemies at last? Why did he not scatter the band of soldiers who came to seize him like chaff before the wind? There is but one answer. He was a willing sufferer in order to procure redemption for a lost and ruined soul. He had undertaken to give his own life as a ransom that we might live forever. And he laid it down on the cross with all the desire of his heart. He did not bleed and suffer and die because he was vanquished by superior force and could not help himself, but because he loved us and rejoiced to give himself for us as our substitute He did not die because he could not avoid death, but because he was willing with all his heart to make his soul an offering for sin. Forever let us rest our hearts on this most comfortable thought. We have a most willing and loving Savior. It was his delight to do his Father's will and to make a way for lost and guilty man to draw near to God in peace He loved the work he had taken in hand in the poor sinful world which he came to save. Never then let us give way to the unworthy thought that our Savior does not love to see sinners coming to him and does not rejoice to save them. Isn't that wonderful? We have a most willing Savior who loves us and laid down his life for him. Well, the next section in Luke is the transfiguration where Jesus and and a couple of disciples go up with Jesus, and Moses and Elijah appear speaking to Jesus, and what are they talking about? Verse 30, And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory, and spoke of his departure, which, was about, which we, he was about to accomplish, accomplish at Jerusalem. That word departure there is the Greek word for exodus. Moses and Elijah wanted to hear about Jesus' exodus from this earth. He was about to die. They're talking about Jesus' death. And just as Moses led the children of Israel on the exodus in the Old Testament, the great act of redemption where the children of Israel were rescued from bondage and they were saved from the Egyptians and brought into a land flowing with milk and honey into the promised land eventually, Jesus is about to accomplish uh, the New Testament exodus, the true exodus that Moses pointed to, that he would free his people from sin and, and eventually from the very presence of sin. And that's what Moses and Elijah wanted to hear about because he's their Savior too. And and Jesus accomplishing that mi- mission was important to them. We need to remind ourselves of the significance of that every day of our lives and and revel in that forgiveness that jesus secured and to be comforted in the fact that yes when we mess up it is by god's grace he forgives us and, and renews us and welcomes us back in to the fold we love because he first loved us and anyone who loves you that much you want to be close to right and what does it mean to be close to jesus and that brings us to the second thing because jesus has given us a pattern here hasn't he Jesus was rejected, slain, and raised from the dead. And that's the pattern that he gives to us in verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Well, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, does it? To deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Self-denial sounds noble, doesn't it? It sounds like an admirable trait that you want to practice in your life, but it's very difficult for us. It's fundamentally difficult for us. And this is not an easy road that Jesus calls his followers to travel. So why would we do this? Why would we? To be near our Savior, to be near Jesus, the one who is our Redeemer. And the reason it's difficult for us, because self-denial is, goes against the very sinful nature that we have. We are, by our fallen nature, narcissistic. And narcissus, that word narcissism, comes from the Greek myth about a hunter named Narcissus who was an extremely handsome man and he saw his reflection in a pool of water and he fell in love with his own reflection. And he was so enraptured with himself... That he eventually melted away as he stared at himself and became a flower, the narcissus plant. And that's where that word comes from. And we've heard that word thrown around quite a bit in our, in these, this, this year, haven't we, about narcissistic individuals. Well, the truth of the matter is, we're all narcissistic individuals. We're all, as uh, the theologi- theological term says, uh, incurvatus in se, we are curved in on ourselves. We're naturally selfish. We want what we want. We want to do we want to go our own way. We're self-centered, self-interested, self-absorbed, self-confident. We trust ourselves more than we trust anybody or God. And that goes right against deny yourself. So why would you want to do that? Well, it goes back to this one, to know Jesus. See, when we say no to ourselves, it's not just Beating ourselves up or being strict with ourselves. What we're, what, we're, what we're talking about here is saying no to sinful things, saying yes to Jesus. That's what it means to deny ourselves, to say no to those things that would interrupt my communion with the Lord, to say yes to those things that would encourage my walking with the Lord. That's what it means to deny ourselves because we naturally don't want, we want to be God. We don't want somebody else to tell us what to do. We have to say no to that self-centeredness. And Jesus goes on and he says, we also need to take up our cross daily. Now, what's a cross? They're not simply trials or hardships. Uh, You might think of of an unfair boss or teacher or a bossy in-law or some person that's a thorn in your side as being the cross you have to bear but that they're not that's not what it's talking about here illness handicaps those are not crosses but a cross results from specifically walking in christ's steps and embracing his life it means dying you know if you're going to go to the cross jesus says take up your cross daily that means you're going to die crucifixions always resulted in death And it's a death to self. It's a death to my own way. A death to following my own wisdom, my own desires, and saying yes to Jesus. So denying ourselves and dying to self are going hand in hand here. Taking up that cross means doing something for someone else. That's what Jesus did. He lived for others And when we take up the cross, we're living for Jesus and living for others. And that's where life is found. See, that pattern that Jesus gave us. He was rejected and killed and raised. And see, when we renounce ourselves, we're going to reject our own way, say, no, I'm going to go God's way. When we reject ourselves and die to ourselves, then we will find life. Then we will find the joy of being a a disciple of Christ. Because look at verse 24. Whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. True life is found by losing your life, by denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus. That's where you'll find life, where your life will be saved. And you will know that resurrection. See, united to Christ by faith, trusting in his death, life, death, and resurrection. Everything that he did in his life, death, and resurrection is yours so that you can be guaranteed a future. But it also means now. Now, we, we talk about being forgiven of the past, and we have a future to look forward to. But what Schaefer was getting at was what about the present, living day to day, moment by moment, with the Lord? What is that, how does that look, and, and how should we go about doing that? But the finished work of Christ speaks to every moment. We can come into his presence, come boldly before the throne of grace through the blood of Christ. We can know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in a personal relationship. This is eternal life, Jesus says, that they know you and Jesus Christ whom you've sent, John 17, 3. That's eternal life, to know God, not to go our own way, not to do our own thing. So as we think about how we're going to press forward into 2021, I want to encourage us all here today to commit ourselves to remembering the gospel, to thinking about this gospel, and to embrace Christ as Savior, to put our trust in him, to to know that he's a savior of sinful people like we are to come and say, Lord, I'm sinned and I pray that you would forgive me and cleanse me and renew me. And to continue to walk in that and to know that it's not just about once being born again. You know, all of us were born, but we don't sit there and think about it all the time. We just, we're just we living our lives and that's what the Christian life is. We don't just think about the day we were born and that's important, it is. It's important to be born. But it's the living that's what it's all about. Living this Christian life, walking with Christ in 2021. So I want to encourage you to not only remember the the wonderful substitutionary death of Christ and live in the reality of that moment by moment, but to know that God died so that you could come into his presence, so that you could have a relationship with him, to find true life and true joy in the journey and walking with him. So that's my prayer for you this this year, my prayer for myself, that we would truly find the joy of salvation, taste and see that the Lord is good, walk in communion with the Lord on a moment-by-moment basis. Let's pray that the Lord would help us to achieve that. Father, we thank you again that you have shown such incredible mercy to us In reaching out to us through Christ, taking on human flesh and coming to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. We're sinners. We're selfish. We want our own way. Lord, we pray that we would taste and see that you're good and enjoy you, glorify you every day of our lives. Lord, we pray that we would pray to you and listen to your word and walk in your ways and be your ambassadors, and that we would not only love you, but we would love others, that we would treat others as your word tells us to treat them, to have true love for our fellow man, and to show the love of Christ in the way that we treat them, in the way that we help them, in the way that we depend upon them and and commune with them. Lord, we pray that all of this would, 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 would come this year, that... That you might rev- I know this would cause us to be revived. this is what we're asking for, Lord, to, to have a revival, to really know you and to walk with you and to be filled with your spirit, and to walk by the spirit, not after the desires of the flesh, because we can't fulfill the desires of the flesh and commune with you at the same time. Help us to remember these things, Lord, and help us to practice these things, and we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.